Let's talk about the future of news. I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. The state of journalism today. Telling both sides of a, of a controversial story. I think you must be unbiased. It's uh, honesty, fairness, uh, truth. That is our job. That is our job. That is our job. Welcome once again to the Arrowman in Stockholm podcast. And it's a lot more fun this week. Uh, this week, I'm talking to Jack Murray, who is one of Ireland's foremost media and communications professionals. And his Media HQ platform is a powerful tool that puts everyone from businesses to politicians in touch with the media houses that might be interested in the stories they have to tell. And I'll tell you how the sausage is made. We just spent a few minutes telling each other stories before we even got started on this podcast. Jack has always been a storyteller and his new book, The Magic Slice, outlines the importance of storytelling in modern communications especially for businesses jack i'm going to get right into it who or what is the magic slice the magic slice is that wonderful place and if you can imagine philip two circles for one is what you want to talk about and the other circle is what people want to hear and the magic slice is when they touch and sometimes if they're you know if they if they completely cross over you're in, you're living in your sweet spot and if they touch ever so gently um you've got a small magic slice and the book outlines a six-step process to bring people to that wonderful place. And if you think of brands like Patagonia, Ryanair, Paddy Power, um, Red Bull, there's so many of them that people can get to that place where they wonderfully resonate with the, with the audience. And storytelling, I suppose, as you said, I've been a storyteller for all of my life. And what sparked me to get involved in storytelling and I talk about this at the, in the start of the book is um, I grew up in, in, in the west of Ireland and uh, in a small town called Banslow and a story that was told to us all of the time by my my father was about my great-grandfather and um, Ireland was a very poor place in the 1880s and my great-grandfather was one of um, nine children and the local landlord was very aggressive about evicting peasant farmers off the land. And somebody had to do something to save the livelihood of the family. He went to America in 1886. He arrived into New York. Um, the, it, was before, um, it was before the Ellis Island. It was, it was the precursor to that. And he arrived in at the tip of Manhattan towards Battery Park now on Easter Sunday in 1886. Anyone who's seen Gangs in New York will will remember what that will 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 remember from the movie what New York was like then. Like the gangs didn't get you, the disease would, and we don't really know what he did, but he he got an idea for a business which was a general store, and he stayed a number of years and miraculously came back to the same parish, the same locality, and set up a farm supplies business that my my mother, Noreen, and my brother, Kevin, run today. And I suppose that was the story that sparked me off to think of, and that was a kind of, you know, his presence still 140 years later, um, kind of, I think about him most every other day. And that's what got me into storytelling. And I suppose the magic slice is about how to inspire other people to tell the best stories that they can. Mm. 
So it sounds a little bit like the hero's journey, which we tend to hear. You know, if you're writing a script for Hollywood, we talk about the hero's journey where you have your hero, your heroine, and then you have what they want and you have the obstacle that's between them and what they want. And this kind of, you know, every video game, every TV show, every film that we ever watch, you know, every series we watch on Netflix kind of has elements. But it's also, as you say, it's the story of your grandfather. It's the story of your family business. It's kind of the story of your own business and your history in working with brands and working in politics and we talked about working in sport as well there and um, you mentioned these six steps now i want people to go and buy the book and i want people to go read the book so you don't have to reveal everything right but could you just tell me some of the key elements apart from the hero's journey that make a story compelling for you yeah and the book it's very well summarized there the book is broken into um into three parts the, the first part is about you know what is storytelling what like what what, what is it all about the second part is about the six-step magic slice process to go on, I suppose, a brand or an organization to go on their journey to find what their story is. And the third part is, okay, you know all about what stories are now. You know how to find your own story. And then how do you do it on a daily basis? Like, how, how do you actually, like, it's, it's one thing knowing something and it, it's another thing applying it. And I suppose in the first part of that then, like, what is a story? Like a story is the most compelling way to communicate. It is the best way to convince people. Um, and there's a line that I've been using for the last number of years, and it's great stories get more <clears throat> dot, dot, dot. And like you, you work in the story business. I've worked in the story business for 20 years. And when you work in the story business, you're judged by the story that you're either trying to get someone to cover or the story you're telling. And you're only as good as the quality in what you're either doing that day or the story that you're trying to tell. And what do great stories get more of? They get more funding, they get more reaction, they get more sales, they get more, um, they get more emotional reaction. And one of the things we talk about is, you know, the science and like, you know, we live in the golden era of storytelling and whether it's, you know, whether it's succession or started with the Sopranos, we're in the, the, the era of the hundred hour story. And the reason that we all tune into these things and are addicted to them now is to do with science. And that basically when you're experiencing a story, um, it triggers a hormone within you. And, you know, dopamine is the kind of feel good hormone. Oxytocin is, is, is one that builds trust. And great storytellers know the hormones that they want to trigger. So that's one part of it. Then the next element element of it then is creativity. And that, Lots of brands and businesses, especially in corporations, are horrible at creativity <laughs> and like they're terrible at it. And look, what, what, what fellas like me and you, what keeps us gainfully employed sometimes is that they go outside for a spark and they have to bring somebody in because they are vessels devoid of any spark. And I suppose part of the challenge to people is like, you know, everything comes from a good idea. And I talk a lot about at a certain point of the book of like, what is creativity and how can you nurture it and how can you develop? Because you can develop a spark and you can create an ecosystem. And then we get into, like you talked about the hero's journey. Um, so if you buy into the science and you, you work on your creativity, um, think, of, think of how the problem is usually posed within an organization. And it's most often posed the wrong way. We need to do a Facebook post. We need to do a LinkedIn post. We need to do a podcast. Let's make a video. And what you're hitching your trailer to there is the, is the output. You're, you're hitching yourself to, 
a Facebook post? And, and, and like the, the, the kind of common answer is about what? And um, there's, there's certain elements, there's eight elements in every story. And the hero's journey kind of describes all of those. There's a protagonist, there's an antagonist, there's a journey, there's a spark. And the more of those elements you have in your story, the better your story is going to be. And then there's a structure to a story. There's like, you know, there's, there's a, a three-act structure. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And there's a framework around it. So like, you, I know you like music, like, you know, the classic pop song is two and a half minutes long. And it works for a reason. Like you don't hear, pardon my French, like, but you don't hear people saying, oh, that pop song thing, that's a lot of shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> two and a half minutes works. Um, a 45 minute TV episode works. And it doesn't matter if you're constructing a story for the about section on your site, or you're using it as part of your hiring process, or it's in your investment deck. If you have the elements and you structure a story the right way, you'll keep people with you. And it, it's the same for a Hollywood movie as it is for you know the, the next best hire that you're gonna have in your company. Um, and then I suppose, look, like it's, you know, there's one of my mantras in life look if it was easy that i'll be doing it so th th there's a fair bit going on here you've got science you've got creativity you're unpacking the elements of the story and when you understand all that then we get into the magic slice and the process of the magic slice is to go through and it all starts with people knowing what their mission is so in any organization you have to know what your purpose is and you have to know your audiences and they're the first two steps because most people don't know why they're communicating and they don't know who they're communicating to. And the common pitfall, Philip, with storytelling would be if you said to someone, what are you trying to achieve? And they'd say, well, I'm trying to reach as many people as I can. Um, I had someone on to me last week, a buddy of mine, and he runs um, kind of, uh, he runs an antiques business um, and he kind of does quirky stuff like shop signs and movie props and stuff like that. And he was running an auction. And I said, who's your audience? And he said, I'm trying to reach as many people as I can. Oh, yeah. And I said, that's not, and I said, that's not the question I asked you. I said, who do you really need to hear the story? And he said, well, it's generally women who are, he said, there's two audiences. It's women who are renovating or men who are doing up a man cave. We were talking about your man cave when we came on about your collection of jerseys. And I said, okay, I can speak to those audiences. I, I, I can, I, I now know what you're trying to achieve and who you're talking to. So now we can, the rubber can now hit the road. And lots of people don't, don't realize that. Um, when we talk about storytelling, there's also the ability, you know, to, to, we use these things both as personal branding and as branding for our organizations, our sports clubs, our companies. But I was just thinking about one of the, so the more nefarious uses of storytelling. If you take the tobacco industry, right? Uh, and the way they, you know, we can remember a particular brand of cigarettes and they had cowboys and that kind of thing, you know? How do we, as consumers of these stories, what can we expect from brands? How do we spot what's real and what's not? And how important is it for us to be honest in our storytelling? Because we all produce an image, even though you and I have known each other a long time, right? I know what you're about in your business. You know what I'm about in mine. But it's only the conversations we have outside of this, you know, that, where we really get to know one another. Do you know what I'm getting at? No, no, I do. And I suppose <clears throat> at a kind of really kind of deeper meta kind of Oprah level, if I bring it to that. That's what that we do like, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything is a story. And like, mm. We, we like that, you know, the, the, the internal talk that goes on in our heads all day, every day, um, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about others, what we believe about who we are and where we're going. That's 
all we think of, we go to bed at night time, we, we tap into ourselves, our subconscious, and we have a dream. And like one of the reasons that The Secret is such a huge book or that people transform themselves when they go for counseling is they reprogram the stories that they tell themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a, a self-limiting story and they go for therapy. And then the story that was limiting them, they get rid of it and they get new software in the way they think and they achieve great things. And um, and that is the power of the story. So like to your point, like I'm a huge fan of propaganda and I'm a huge fan of it because I'm fascinated by it. And like whether it's the tobacco propaganda or whether it's the messaging around COVID-19, um, Like everything is a kind of a story that people either are going to buy or they're going to rail against. Um, and brands that are really good, like there's a there's a brilliant brand that I tune into all the time um, called Track, T-R-A-K-K-K-E. And it's a brand based in Glasgow that makes man bags kind of handcrafted. I've never bought anything on the website and I check it every six or eight weeks because the guy just tell these really rugged kind of stories through imagery about the bags are handcrafted. They're fucking really expensive. <laughs> and uh, I will one day put my hand in my pocket and buy something because maybe I want to project an image that he's telling on the site. I, I wear a pair of sneakers called Hoka's. And they're basically Jerry. My my kids tell me they're geriatric runners or geriatric uh, footwear for people, our lads who are running. Um, and their whole thing is about kind of extra cushion and extra support. And and but it it is this thing where I think people can use their critical faculties. And sometimes the story of a brand will help you assuage your guilt. And sometimes they will reaffirm your own beliefs. Um, and you know if there's a gap there or a vacuum we will put a story or a narrative around something nothing exists in a vacuum so i suppose like there's a great example um that i love about a regional airline in iceland called air iceland connects and they had a few thousand euros to do in-flight entertainment imagine this like bar getting a juggler to go up and down the aisle once now i'm not quite sure what you'd achieve and someone said why don't we produce a journal and put it in the back of the seat. So they did this lovely um, stitched printed journal and people came along and hand wrote in the experiences of their holidays and put it in the back of the seat. So it's like an individual visitor book in every seat. And it became social media gold and people started sharing it on Instagram and people started passing it around. I read about it in the Financial Times and it went around the world like a bushfire. And it was just this small idea. Um, the original genesis of the book the magic slice was a pamphlet that i originated five years ago i was on a trip to brighton and i was in an antique bookshop and this etiquette journal from sandhurst military academy kind of fell out and it was a really sexist document about commissioned officers and how they should behave themselves and it was brilliant lines in it like you know when you go to a dance just because you're the best looking person there don't monopolize all the women it's full of stuff like that But it was like this thing that fell out of the past. And I brought it back and I said to one of the designers here, could we create something like this about the essential truth of storytelling and make it available to people? And it became this document called the Storyteller's Manifesto. It was 20 pages long. And every week, Philip, from Sao Paulo to Sri Lanka, um, people would come and say, can you, can you send me, can you email it to me? And we would post it to them as a physical document because mm. we wanted them to have that experience and it cost a thousand quid to you know print off a whole lot of them 
and the spark of the magic slice started there. So it doesn't have to be a huge idea. It can be it can be something small that a brand or an organization engage in. Um, what stories do you tell yourself when you turn out the light at night? And I say that knowing you as somebody with a very long and varied history in what you've done. You're a very driven person. Uh, you seem to be, to be very focused on growing your business. Every time I talk to you, you have a new idea, you have a new thing going. What is it that drives you, Jack, in, in storytelling? It's curiosity. Um, and uh, I'm like the, 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 super, the journalist's superpower is curiosity. And even this week, like, I, you know, we have a team of sales development people who sell our media contact software and we were upgrading their processes. And I said, look, we are a detective unit. And I said, you know, some people, it, you know, there's, a, there's some, some detective units specialize in homicide. I said, if there was this tag in our door, it would say crimes against media relations. I said, we are the detective squad. And I said, when you go to solve people's problems, I said, if they're not using our software, They've got some other crime they're committing and we need to find out what it is. And the journalist superpower is curiosity. Um, one of the greatest ways to stay happy is to be, and this is, this is the way I'm programmed, I'm future focused and I'm curious. So you'll always have something on the horizon. So like when I'm about to finish The Magic Slice, I already know the next book I'm going to write. And, you know, I have two or three big software developments um, next year for Media HQ. And the reason it keeps you on an even keel is there's always that thing. It's like the crock of gold at the end of the rainbow. There's always that thing that's common that could be unbelievable. And generally with human nature, it isn't. But when you get to it, there's always the next thing. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like planning your next holiday just as the one you're on is ending. And like a lot of studies have been done into happy people. And happy people are... Most people who are happy are curious and future focused. They don't think about the past. You know, mindfulness is a byword over times. It's really, it's really hard. But if you have the ability to look forward to something in that actual way that you're actually looking forward into the future, but you're actually positive about the next thing that's going to happen. Um, it's a really, now it can be exhausting, but uh, it, it, it definitely is uh, glass half full. It's remarkable because about 10 days ago, we interviewed Bjorn Ulveus from ABBA and he said exactly what you said about being forward thinking. You know, sometimes he doesn't even like to say, you know, to talk about what they did, you know, 40 years ago, but it's always the next thing that's coming up. And that's why they've made this new music and this new show. And it's, you know, it's always the next peak. You climb one mountain and then you see the next peak. But just one final question for you, Jack, right? Because sometimes we have a story and it's really, really good. But, you know, maybe it doesn't get the traction. It doesn't go viral in inverted commas, which everybody, you know, every company seems to want that from communications professionals these days. How do you judge what you do? Do you sometimes think, oh, you know, that story's really good. Okay, maybe only 100 people heard it rather than something, you know, you did that a million people heard. Yeah, like there's a great maxim in, polit in American politics that could teach a lesson to us all is that like, you can keep telling the same story if the audience changes. So sometimes we have this, you, you know, notion that we tell it once and nobody heard it. And, you know, that thing of if a tree falls in the woods and nobody heard it, did it actually happen? Mm. So you can use that for positive in that like, if you told it to one audience, you can tell it to another audience. And look, I've been doing a lot of promo for the book and sometimes it's an engaged conversation that the narrative is different and it goes a different direction, but ostensibly you're delivering the same message. Um, on any story that you create and on any creative work that you have, I have a golden rule of thumb in that, like, I will pour myself into it. I will make it as good as it can be. 
And when something is as good as it can be, I'm bulletproof on it then. So like if someone criticizes it or say, I don't like that, say, well, that's fine. That, that, that was my A game. That's what I had on it. I didn't actually have anything else. I gave, I gave it everything I could. Um, and I think like, I'm one of the, I talk about this in the book too. One of the greatest negatives around storytelling is I meet a lot of people in the corporate world who aren't creative, who are corporately dead. You can kind of see the light has gone off in their eyes and the risk adverse you know, they've, they've shut down and people who are creative take risks. So, you know, you know, writers, you know, musicians, nobody ever created art and thought, what if everybody hates it? Well, if you, if you, if you were, if you were artistically inclined, you'd stop painting, you'd stop writing, you'd stop singing. And, you know, people need to be willing to be a little bit fearless about the stuff that they put out there, because everything that you put out there creates a spark and an energy. And, sometimes it takes time. Like I, one of the things that I'm realizing in the last couple of weeks is people read slowly. Like, you know, some people, very few people came back to me in a few days and said, I read your book. And now we're kind of three weeks in, you know, there was a big trickle yesterday and the day before where people actually got to the end of the book and then we're communicating. So I think patience and fearlessness are the two things that will help you kind of with that. And one very final question then, and in one sentence, if you can, what's the next big development in storytelling going to be? It could be media, it could be how we do things. What do you foresee that as being with your forward thinking cap on? I think it's all about audience. And I think the traditional media platforms, you know, will will settle into a mood of what they, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll fall into a pattern. But brands will become absolutely audience obsessed and it won't matter if it's a, a podcast on Spotify, an Instagram influencer or a radio show in Stockholm. People will want to find their audience um, and it'll all become about audience and reaching not necessarily about the channels, but about reaching the end goal. And that'll, that'll get easier. Jack Murray, thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you, Philip.